3: Welcome Leverage Black Book readers, Jack Humphrey here, and I just wanted to preface this uh, recording that you're about to hear with a little bit of advice. Uh, One, make sure you're in your happy place, make sure you're listening, make sure you have the list in the book of the things that you should be picking up from this recording that is edited from an interview that we did on Traffic Masters sponsored by Directions University a year and a half ago. Uh, It is littered with, with leverage bombs, and we call them leverage bombs in this thing, and it is amazing, and uh, as I was going back to see what I was going to ask Colin on a brand new interview, I realized very quickly I didn't need a new one. A lever just like him will drop those bombs wherever they go, no matter what you're interviewing them about. So I quickly learned that as I was listening back to this interview. I edited out uh, all the non leverage stuff, and there's still a bunch, bunch, bunch to be learned in this recording. So this is going to be something that you should probably listen to a couple of times, listen to it in the car while you're driving, all that kind of stuff. It's going to take a minute to absorb all of these things. And finally, if you want to continue uh, with all of this, make sure that you visit Colin at Cult of Copy on Facebook. Just type in Cult of Copy on Facebook and you'll find his group. Without further ado, here's me and Gina interviewing Colin O from the Cult of Copy.
1: I have to say the Cult of Copy group on Facebook, uh, the members list reads like a who's who of internet marketing. I just saw Alan says here, who nobody mm-hmm. will probably. <laughs> only like three people in our audience might even know. From direct experience, and Miguel Alvarez, who owns copywriting.com, which I think is mm-hmm. hilarious. One of us had to, right? And, right. uh, I mean, oh, yeah, Joel Com, you keep really poor company. Dave Lacani, yeah, yeah right. these guys must think your copy is halfway decent, or why would they be in your group out of the other right, right. people you've
2: got? Well, I'll tell you uh, a secret. Part of it has to do with, um, the fact that once you get enough people involved in something, all the experts who are involved in that field want to come and see what you have going on. So like Mm -hmm. you said, we have, I think it's between 12,000 and 13,000 members now. You get a pile of people that are fanatics about copywriting and uh, any expert who uh, works in the field of copywriting who doesn't want to come along and be part of that audience and see what they're talking about probably just maybe doesn't want traffic, I guess. So yeah. that's that's a, a tip for those out there. If you build a big community around a particular subject, it's not going to be hard to make friends with the luminaries in your field because you have what they want, which is an interested audience.
1: That is um, That is probably, so far right now, that's the tip of the day. <laughs> 'Cause that was really powerful. Maybe maybe I can rephrase it a little bit to help people out with what you just said, but it's kinda like going into you remember when uh people were starting to get record deals because they had such a huge following online and for that reason alone Sony Entertainment and other places started looking at people when they couldn't get in through the front door. That was that was yeah. a neat phenomenon, right? It's like, look, I got three hundred and twenty thousand fans on YouTube. Uh I Brian, demand it, it, a record contract.
2: <laughs> exactly it's e- it's easy to get a record it's easy to get a record contract when the record company knows that you're gonna move some records because you have a huge fan yeah. base already plus you get a better deal. they'll give you more royalties off of the records if you bring your own audience,
1: yeah, and you essentially did that too. You brought your own audience, and the uh the rest of them uh just couldn't resist, even mm-hmm. me, you pulled me and- in, you sucked me in. <laughs> Right.
2: Well, the way the group started originally, it was a Skype group when I was still writing copy professionally for others. Um, And it was just peers and clients and other people talking occasionally about uh, copywriting. And eventually the group got to the point where Skype was kind of problematic. It was chattering all the time and kind of bothering people. Mm -hmm. So I decided to move it over to Facebook. And once we moved it over to Facebook, Just that list of people were kind of well-known people in their own fields, clients of mine, other copywriters and things. And then when I opened it up to the public, it was sort of letting people not part of that world sort of peek in and see what pros talk about among themselves. And uh, fortunately, it's maintained that high quality that, again, draws more and more people. And then once you have a big old pile of people, all of the experts want to come and see what's going on kind of a once the snowballs are rolling down the hill, you can't do anything to stop it even if you wanted to.
1: So what are some of your rec- recommendations of getting that initial pile of people together for somebody who um, uh, was in, maybe in the similar situation that you were, uh, maybe a little bit more beginner than you were? If you have any advice for those folks, that would be great. Well, what
2: I, I always recommend is you want to find a group of people who are passionate and motivated and taking action along the same lines of what it is that you want to do. Because Mm -hmm. when you get that group of people, what happens is there's always something to talk about. There's always somebody that needs help with something. There's always somebody to offer help when you need help with something. And what will happen is when you have a group of people that are all doing that same sort of activity among themselves, uh, the whole group sort of rises together And when you start doing that, you start automatically drawing a following of the people who are just a couple of steps behind you. You don't have to be an expert all the way at the top of the mountain to teach people how to climb the mountain. You only have to be two steps ahead of them to say, hey, I'm standing on this ledge. You want to see how to get to this ledge? Right? Yeah. And in fact, I believe for some people, it's actually more believable and more desirable for them to follow someone who is not crazy advanced compared to where they are. They almost prefer to follow people who are just a little bit further ahead. So when you put these collectives together, these groups, these peer groups of people who are doing the same thing at the same level as you, and you're all motivated and working and making progress, like I said, the whole group rises together and pretty soon you end up where you and your friends are recognized by newbies as being, you know, experts, in your field because everyone saw you get better and better in public. It's like a before and after happening in real time. Yeah.
1: Nice. And your before and after picture could look almost identical, except
2: that you have now 11,000 or 12,000 more friends. Right, right. Nice it, 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 it helps to build a following if they can see that you're actually walking the walk as well as talking the talk. And if you just do it in front of people instead of behind closed doors, They can see that happening, and it gives them something to follow along with. That's, one of, to me, one of the secrets of becoming a quote-unquote leader in your field is that leadership. You don't have to get on the soapbox in front of the crowd and say, hey, everybody, follow me. You just kind of do what you want to do and give people a way to follow you to see what you're doing, and you'll get a following naturally because people will see what you're doing and be interested and imitate it and start interacting with you. So you don't ever have to declare yourself a leader. You just have to make yourself followable, and you'll get followers, which will in turn make you into a leader.
1: Well, maybe it's all—it's almost like the uh, traffic cop, the guy that's n- never this never happens anymore except at an accident scene. But the cop that's in the middle of the road is more famous than the mayor because if he's always there, and he's always directing traffic, people see him more than the mayor themselves you know so it's like hey there's the, you know and they work with the city and all that i mean, maybe that's not the best analogy but it's like crowd control really it's like um you know getting those groups together and being seen for the person that they can't help seeing you i mean if joel calm comes into your group and says some neat stuff that's your group he said it in and then you're replying and then everybody's like oh yeah that's the guy who owns this group that's that's pretty cool and oh okay and then for, by association over time We've we've done that a lot, Gina. I mean, my goodness, when you were behind the scenes as a JV broker, nobody knew who you were. Nobody knew that you were behind some of the biggest launches out there. Uh, and then you know you decided to step out from behind the curtain, and then everybody's like immediate association because all you had to do was list off all of the all of the different uh, places that you've been. Yeah, that's I mean, that's very true.
2: I had to mute but my little uh, internet here.
1: Something interrupted me.
2: Okay, go ahead. All right, all right. No, that's that's very true. I agree with that, uh, for sure that um my reputation as a copywriter has little to do with what I wrote because like copywriting for hire, you're essentially a ghostwriter. It's someone else's name on that sales letter. Um the only reason people know me as a copywriter is because I literally will not shut up about copywriting. I post about <laughs> it constantly, I talk about it, I get on stage and talk about it, I go to events and talk about it. The sque- you know the phrase the squeaky wheel gets the oil you have, right. to, you have to squeak you have to be the squeaky wheel uh, especially if you work in an invisible way like as a JV manager or as a copywriter or any of those other fields I know a lot of copywriters that ask me how do you get clients I'm like well what are you doing now to promote yourself and they're like nothing I'm like well how about you write a sales letter for your services so people know who you are oh okay
1: it's amazing how some of the the, that people complicate things so much we all do it we all have the tendency to do it we have to guard against it at all times and sometimes we find ourselves going down a rabbit hole of complication and complexity that is totally unnecessary and i think probably you you sell yourself a little bit short because what talent you have in this area that's an actual big deal that's not in consulting with lots and lots and lots of different people, the clarity that you seem to have when you approach a a topic or to answer a question is actually kind of uncommon in my experience. People don't know how to cut through all the stuff. What am I supposed to say here? What do the rules say that I'm supposed to say here? And people like you, being uncommon, that you just don't generally deal with all that crap. It doesn't seem like you're doing that pre-qualification of the words that come out of your mouth or out of your pen uh like other people do that has the effect of paralyzing them from getting anything done does that make sense
2: it does it does i'll tell you the secret of that is the only thing that makes you better at something like like writing or like like people say okay writing's creative i'm not a creative person i can't do that well consider hmm. something like painting right like even the person who thinks they can't paint knows that if they practice they will get better at it, right? Writing is right. the same way. It's a physical activity. It's it's work. It's physical work. You have to practice at it. You have to do it every day so that you can do it every day. And then you want to have a lot of different ideas piled up so that if one's not coming to you, you can grab another one so you can make sure that you can write every day. And if you do it every day, you'll get better at it automatically, especially if you do it in a place like Facebook, or any other social media or a blog where you get comments back and forth because they help round it out and polish it there. If you made something unclear, people will ask questions, and then you can come up with a better analogy just talking it out with them, for example. So Mm -hmm. if anything, if I am good at it, it's because I do it constantly and over and over all day every day, and I think most people don't get over that fear because they stay in that beginner stage and they don't force themselves to do it. The first step of being good at anything is being terrible at it, right? So people mm. let that fear stop them, but you shouldn't be afraid of it because everybody's terrible the first time they try something they haven't done. So you just have to get over that terrible phase, and the only way to do it is by practice, and the only way your practice is meaningful is to practice in a way that's actually real. Like you can't practice copywriting by yourself on your computer. You have to practice it by publishing sales letters and seeing if they work.
1: Give us a little idea about the makeup of your business and how this big giant group on Facebook affects that and if there's any other places that you also uh, have any focus or if it's mainly just this group on Facebook as the external part of your marketing plan.
2: Yeah, I mainly focus uh, on the group, and the way the group works is that it's free, but you have to request to join, and I I personally approve everyone. I'm the only admin of the group, only active admin. I have a backup. I don't want to tell anybody they can be the sole admin because you never know. Maybe your Facebook account gets canceled for some uh, joke that you made that someone didn't like very much, and then you won't be able to get back in your group. So always have a backup admin, but I'm the only active one. I approve all the members. And right at the top of the group is a pinned post where I put the trainings in the group because the group was always focused around, like I said, um, people actively writing copy. So when I first retired, what I said was, hey, guys, do you want access to templates that I've made to make my job as a copywriter easier? Let's do a live training. You pay. You come sit on the webinar. I'll tell you how to do it. I'll explain it all, and you get all the goodies after the call, and then I continue to sell the recordings of those trainings afterwards, and I'm up to, I think, seven of them now that I've done. I have, like, a sales letter one, an email sequence one. Basically, the things that people would hire me to write, if I was hired to write it more than once, I would make a template so that I wouldn't have to start from scratch, and those are the templates that I teach people. So that started out being the product side, of the business, and then um, I was still doing consulting, like I said, uh, reviewing copy uh, for different launches and things, and when uh, the group got to a certain point and uh, I had a certain number of clients that were using reviews over and over again for every project they did, instead of offering them one-off, I switched to retainer. So you just pay me uh, a certain amount And you retain my services for six months or a year, and you get X number of reviews per month and X number of phone hours per month as part of that. And uh, that way it's just a package deal, and I get to work with the same people over and over. Uh, Because one of the things I think I'm really good at is building a personal brand. So if I work with the same client over and over, it it really makes better use of my talent than just doing a one-off sales letter now and again for different people, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. let's see a
1: lot more enjoyable. Oh, and and, really. and, and, and then sounds
2: more yeah, smooth. <laughs> and then, uh, just this year I did a paid group. That's like a spinoff. And that group is for people who want to start their own cults about whatever subject they're passionate about and follow the model that I used to build the cult of copy and basically retire from doing service and focus mostly on, uh, running the group. So that's been very successful. This amazing, year too, because
1: it, We're here to pick your brain. I think we didn't know really what we were going to exactly pick your brain about, but the, one of the things that I wanted to, you know, I started to see here very, very quickly is your group reminded me of a lot of people have questions about this stuff. Like we watched people try to create something and it, it, it goes all the way back to old forum days. It's like, can somebody come in and help me make my forum interesting? Remember that? Like right. would, I just mm-hmm. started a new forum and, uh, and and nothing's happening. Can you guys come in and seed it with content, with, with questions and stuff? And then right. a little while later, most of those people would come back and go, it's still not working. I don't understand. I mean, and then they see people like you. And In the old days, you would have a forum instead of a group on Facebook and you're killing it. Right. And there's lots and lots of activity. You kind of alluded to it already. You've got to have enough really interesting, engaged, and active people in whatever the group is formulated around. And then I would be like, well, okay, we got to keep picking his brain about this, but you have a whole product just to show people how to do this. That is freaking amazing. Yeah, kind of law of attraction. Yeah,
2: specifically the the big tip that I can give you um, on why a lot of these groups fail, a lot of marketers will try and start a group maybe as the back end of a product that they sold, and they just put their customers Mm -hmm. in there. The problem is the best customers aren't going to be active in there because they're going to take your product and go do what it told them to do. So they don't have time to be on Facebook messing around. What you get out of a free group is you go on Facebook to any other group or page that's related to what it is that your group is about, and you find the people who seem to be on Facebook all day posting. And you invite those people to come and be part of your group so that there's something to talk about. You basically recruit the chatterboxes to come and make your group active. And then once there's something there to read every day, that's the beauty of Facebook is that people want anything on Facebook to look at to keep them from closing Facebook and going and do other things, right? Like once you're in there, you're like, oh, there's a little red number. I'm going to click and check that out. And groups Mm -hmm. do that. Groups will send notifications when new things are posted. So once you get a lot of people who are constantly
1: commenting and
2: posting and doing those things, then you start posting your expert content, right, as the group leader and get people behind it. And from there, you get your customers. But if you just take your customers of a product and dump them into a group and expect them to create a community among themselves, it's not really going to happen. Yeah.
1: Is there anything you would recommend that we need to pay attention to in terms of incentivizing the, for the chatterboxes and giving them a nice home because even chatterboxes are busy people, right? They're already they already belong to groups, they already have their things oh, yeah, well, do every day.
2: Absolutely. So what you do is they're posting on Facebook already presumably for attention, right? Like they want they want people to like their stuff and think they're cool and comment and interact. So you go find whatever groups that they're in, and the way you engage them, the way you invite them in is say, hey, I really like this post. Can I repost it to my group? Or even better, if you want to join the group and repost it yourself, that way you get all the comments of people because I know the audience is really going to like it. Then when they come in and post, I would post like a really well-thought-out, really, really detailed comment to essentially give them a treat, pat them on the head, say, hey, good job. And then when I do that, because my audience is fans of my stuff, when they see I commented, everybody kind of wants to jump in and give a Me Too comment. You know, like just just yeah, yeah. commenting on it, it elevates the profile of whatever that post is because I, it's my group. So everyone jumps in and comments, and then that person, it's like uh, behavioral conditioning, right? They got a treat for posting in my group, so the next time they have something they want to post, They're more likely to want to come and post it in my group instead of wherever else they posted it because they loved all the feedback they got the first time.
1: That is awesome. I love the social sciences.
2: I mean, that's crowd control
1: (laughs) mastery right there. Yeah, people want to probably rewind that a little bit, and if you didn't get that, that's a really (laughs) nice piece of secret sauce. So cool. I mean, and and you have a product around this, right? Like people could learn more from... What what kinds of things do you yeah, talk about? What is, is uh, wait,
0: wait, wait. Before you ask that, I've got a follow-up question on that. Does that sure. work if the audience is not marketers?
2: Sure, it works. And, you know, like, any subject that's <clears throat> the kind of thing where people would post on social media about it, like just on their own, just to talk about it, will work. Because then you no, can find chatterboxes awesome, and, and if you get enough chatterboxes in your group, That's what makes it user-generated. That's what makes it so like you're sort of just along for the ride instead of the guiding force trying to drive it and keep it active. If you get get enough people who like that topic on their own, they'll talk among themselves all day. And that's why I think a group, one way I think a group is better than a list, if you don't keep emailing a list, a list gets cold. You never have to keep a group warm. They keep themselves warm constantly. Anytime I have an offer, I don't have to warm up the group. I just drop into the group and make the offer and they're all already hot about copy because they sit there and talk about it all day whether I'm there or not.
0: Yeah, totally awesome. Okay, Jack, go ahead.
1: I think you know the reason it should work on paper and I seem to believe that it works in the real world this way regardless of what the group is or whether they're marketers or not is because it's basic human behavior and ego and that can be played off of, it doesn't matter what the topic is. You know, what you what you just laid out there was how to take care of somebody that you really want around in your group that is going to help elevate that group. And period. I don't think, I mean, that could be in a dog training group. It could be in a, a self-help group or any kind of group, I would think.
2: Yeah, That's and if, if, behavior. The group is built, if the group is built around fans of what you do personally, like you're a, a, a noticeable leader of the group and you get good content, when new people come into the group and you give them these really deep, insightful comments like that, it's like it's almost like you're anointing them. You know, you're saying this is a yeah. person worth paying attention to because I paid attention to them. And then the next time that person posts, you don't always have to be there to notice and make the comment yourself. The audience remembers them. And it's sort of like you get to highlight who the cool people are adding cool content to your group. And what happened for me is the group got so popular so fast. Just by nature of the way Facebook works, it's not as good as a forum because it doesn't do a good job of archiving old threads. They just sort of fall off the page and the search is not very good.
1: So Mm -hmm.
2: what I started doing was cataloging all of the good threads, and then now I sell a paid monthly newsletter that is an original article from me, but also a handful of links to old conversations that people would have missed. And then what happens is someone will go back into that old conversation and click like or leave a comment, and then it bounces back up to the top. So it's a constantly churning source of uh, copy info. So for the addicts, the people who can't get enough copywriting information, it's great because you literally can't read it all, and you never will be able to. But what Facebook did is, like, I could have looked at that as a flaw and said, well, this is not as good as a forum. Instead, I turned it into a feature. So now I sell a curated list of links, and the only reason I need to curate it is because I made the mess in the first place.
1: Yeah,
2: that's brilliant. That's awesome. So there's
1: an example to be had here, too, in the fact that you've, you've, you're have you aware of probably 30,000 or 30 of multiple things that you can do to drive traffic and to have attention and, and to get the attention that your business needs, and you are really, really laser focused on on uh, a smaller set. If there's even a set of ways of getting traffic to uh, and attention for your business, and the level that you're talking about, the level of depth where you go back and curate stuff, and that you have conversations going on in this group that are important enough that they could go in a newsletter. They're not dry, you know, just nothing. Uh, that you actually have that kind of content going into it because of the way you're curating and, and taking care of and loving this group. And then there's a bunch yeah. of other people out there who are, are doing millions of different things. They're like, well, I was on Twitter just a minute ago, and then I'm going to run over to LinkedIn, and then i got to do all this stuff and all this stuff and all this stuff. And you speak to the – because you know those people. You consulted with them, and that's probably the more common – that's definitely, in my experience, the more common thing is that people are spread really, really thin and deep in nothing. Can you speak to what you've been, what you've gained, or the importance of you know doing a few things and doing them really well, and going deep with them instead of wide?
2: Yeah, I think of Dan Kennedy that says uh, going inch wide and a mile deep, and that's basically what I wanted to do. Is like shift my business from being a copy service provider to being someone who talks about copy and then making the same amount. So in order to do that, everyone in my industry was like, oh, nobody buys copywriting products because writing is intimidating. And I said, well, some people buy copywriting products, it's just not a lot of people. But what if I found all of those people and put them all in the same place? It's got to be a sizable audience if I'm not just trying to get the few people interested in copywriting that might be in any given marketer's list. right? So instead of taking the typical approach of, You know, I'm going to make a product about copywriting. I'm going to have a bunch of affiliates mail for it, and I'll get a list that way. I knew that wouldn't work very well because the affiliates wouldn't want to mail it because they don't sell a lot of copywriting products. So instead, I used Facebook, and Facebook's really good at organizing people by interest. So that helped me build the exclusive audience that I wanted for the kind of things that I wanted to talk about, and I built a group. My focus for the group, the way I decide what I'm going to do with it is will I, as a copywriting addict, show up and read this group every day? So any decision I make about whether I'm going to delete this post or I'm going to allow this kind of post to exist or I'm going to encourage people to have these kinds of conversations, it's all about what my gut tells me I would be interested in as a fan. And the idea is other people who are also fans will like it too.
1: Yeah. Wow. So that's that's very instructive. It's, it's a lot of people, I think, feel like they're out there getting a lot of things thrown at them. They've got to try everything that comes across, you know, because they don't know what's going to work. And then the thing is, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because they never give any one thing the attention it deserves for it to take off and prove itself out. So a lot of people walk away from it going, Facebook groups suck, or Google Plus communities suck, or social media sucks. You know, cause they just, that's only part of what they're trying to do for their business. And they usually walk away, I feel, you know, 10 or 15 minutes before they would have really broken through or a day or a week before they would have really broken through. They just didn't have the patience to see it through and stick to it. So you're a great yeah. glowing example of sticking to it and finding something. And it's true. I mean, I'm, I'm the biggest Google plus geek on the planet. I'm a huge fanboy. But I understand what everybody says about it at the same time, and I'm totally getting this particular thing, that there are things that you can do in Facebook groups that you absolutely cannot, and it's not even remotely close to being able to do it on Google+. And it's that that thing that most people, you know, the privacy advocates really complain about, but us marketers love to death, and that is what you said. They they group people by interest, and they really do. They have a lot of tools that can reach out and tap people on the shoulder that include – you posting to your group and then everybody who belongs to that group gets pulled back in or has the potential to do so, to come back in. And that's a Facebook tool that's kind of free and you get to do that all the time because Facebook wants you to engage and they know that if you are in that group and you'll stay on Facebook longer if they can get you to go over to the group and see what Colin just wrote or somebody else in that group
2: wrote. Facebook promotes my group for me a lot. Like if you join a group that's related to marketing, a lot of times my group will get shown as, People who like this group have also joined this group. Facebook, a lot of people, it didn't happen that way at first, but a lot more people as the group grew and grew beyond, like, say, 5,000 members started to show up and have no idea who I was, which was odd because the only way I advertised it was directly. The only way I promoted the Cult of Copy was if you saw me on stage in person or on a video or on a webinar or whatever it was. Um, but once it got past a certain point, like you said, Facebook wants people to not ever leave Facebook. So when they see a group with 12,000 members that's active, they want people to get in that group because that's one more reason for them not to leave Facebook. So that's, that's sort of piggyback. Um, I started in September of 2012, so it's two years old this year. Cool. Did it Did it ramp up quick or slow? It ramped up very, very quickly. It's um, It ramped up. Uh, it, it's exponential. So it went, like, the faster it grew, the faster it continued to grow. So now I would say every couple of days I have to go through, like, 100 new requests to join the group. And uh, I got to sort through them all and make sure they're not spammers. That's another thing. When you hit a certain point, you start getting spammers. And that's a problem for a lot of groups. But I train the people in the group to make fun of spammers. So now it's almost like a game. It's like a team-building activity when someone shows up and spams the group. Everyone jumps in and makes fun of them. Well, I was just thinking almost to the
1: point where you could directly affect – I mean, you could say that there's probably 11,487 real serious copywriters in the world, give or take 500 or so. But if you went Mm -hmm. like gangbusters and it got up to this level – uh, pretty early on, and it's only gotten talked about more later now as it's gotten bigger than it was ever in the beginning when it actually grew to the size that it did, then you know when you were talking earlier about yeah, a lot of people buy copywriting products, but it it's almost feasible for you to say that I got most of those people in the world who are targeted for copywriting products in my group now
2: on the plan, yeah that, that right, th- and then that was the idea. Good.
1: I wanted to connect so that thought want- in case anybody missed it, because I almost did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, one, one thing I wanted to touch on before we move on that you brought up was about um, people not sticking with what they're trying long enough. And there's this thing that I teach called the bellwether effect. Do you know what a bellwether is? Like yeah. the actual farm term. Okay, what? a bellwether, when you have a herd of sheep... A weather is the castrated male sheep that's like the boss of the, the sheep herd. But the trick with sheep is they don't actually follow a leader. They follow the sheep that moves first because they're they don't you know, they're they're bored. One sheep moves, they're like, Oh that sheep moves, I'm gonna follow that sheep and then it ripples through the herd like like uh, you know, dominoes basically. But the trick is that sheep's not in front, he's in the middle. He's just the one that gets bored first. So if you're the shepherd, you put a bell on that sheep's neck and listen for where it's going to move, because that's where the herd's going to move next. I keep saying herd. I mean flock. They're sheep. Um, so <laughs> when you do that, the the trick is, he's like, like I said before, he's not being a leader out in front. He's being a leader from the middle. In fact, he doesn't even know he's the leader. And the other sheep don't think he's the leader. They're just following him because he moved first. So... Even if you're a beginner and you're just trying something out, don't let that fear of failure make it so that you're trying these things out in secret because if you do them out in public and, like I said, build a group of peers who want to try these things, whether they fail or not, and share those results, you're doing that bellwether effect. You're leading from the middle, and people will start following you, and something is going to click eventually. But the trick is if you do it that way in front of an audience, you're building an audience the whole time. So even if you're failing, you're creating content that's valuable to them because they're like, oh, well, I won't try that thing because this, this guy says it didn't work because of this, that, and the other thing. So then eventually by the time whatever it is that you try that sticks, you have an audience that loves you and they know it really works because they watched you do it in front of them.
0: <laughs> Does
2: that make sense? That is one of the most
0: brilliant pieces of advice I have Ever heard, Colin? <laughs> uh,
2: thank we should have charged for this episode. <laughs>
1: Everybody needs to go back to the beginning of this episode and put in a quarter because this one should have been charged. For. That that was really awesome, man. And no, and I no, have to admit, I didn't. Time. I didn't know what a bellwether was. I've only used it in current vernacular like a million times. I've used bellwether, but I didn't know the origin of it until just now. And it's like, right. oh my right. god, how well can done. you use something all your life? And then somebody comes on a radio show and tells you what the real meaning of bellwether is.
2: The modern meaning of the term comes from the farm meaning because a bellwether normally refers to a person where whatever they do is going to become the trend.
0: (laughs) Well, And what I really love about that brilliant piece of advice that you just gave us is the idea that you don't have to go out and work so hard to cause traffic to happen. Going out and being that leader from the middle really brings the masses to follow right behind. And you couldn't stop it if you wanted to at that point. And it doesn't take a lot of effort.
1: Exactly. Well, you just got memed because somebody's listening to the show right now and is creating a little meme right out of that. You'll watch (laughs) for it on your social media channel near you. All right. Yeah, so – uh, that's really cool. So you help people with this. I mean, this isn't your first rodeo. You, you. I guess people have asked you uh, over the last couple of years, how do you do groups and you, and and use them, and that must have given you the idea. That maybe I ought to help people with this in mass instead of one at a time. So is that how this product came about? What's it called, and how can we find it?
2: Um, it's like I said. This year was the first pilot program, and the way I create all of my products is I make people pay me for them if they're interested and then I show up and do live webinars. So this is content that didn't too, create
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: So this is content you that it. didn't create until like I invited the first batch of cult members to come in and, and watch me do it. So over the course of the past year as this charter program, uh I would let a few people in at the beginning of the year and in the middle of the year to sort of just be in there paying me to show up every week and create this content. So next year, my plan is to take that and turn it into like a home study course. And then the group will just be an add on. Um, but for this year, it was sort of like closed to cult members only just so I could, you know, basically control the the production of the content with like one webinar each month to kind of get people going. And And like I said, I don't know what people don't know. So I wanted an audience to interact with as I was creating the material. So they basically helped me, paid me to create what will be a membership-based course in the coming year. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet. Probably something to do with be- how to become a cult leader or something like that. Um, but that will be nice. available early next year.
1: First, you'll have to have Dave Akhani come on.
2: Um, sure, sure. See,
1: Dave Carney is still joining cults. That's funny. I'm going to get that to him. Nobody gets that, but
0: I do. (laughs) That is so Um, funny, Jack. (laughs) You know, you are the epitome of what we teach our students. We call it plan it, sell it, co-create it. So you plan what you're going to do. You go out, you sell it, you get people to pay you for it. Then you get them to join you to co-create it rather than creating it in a vacuum on your own, then going out after spending hours and hours and hours of hard work trying to sell it and finding that nobody really wanted it in the first place. It's exactly what we teach our people to do to create their own stuff. And Jack and I uh, just got off of a a 14-month content series where we were doing exactly the same thing. We created so much content the last 14 months. And the next two years, we're then going to go out and repurpose that content, turn it into all the different things that we want to do in the long run.
2: That's the way to do it. And I'll say uh, earlier in the show, Jack was talking about how a lot of beginners get caught up in the technical details. And for me, being that I, I came from a copywriting background, my problem wasn't that I didn't know what would sell but that I like to fiddle with things. I'm not, I am not. I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist, so it's not that I would fiddle with it because it wasn't good enough. It's just like, oh, you know what would be cool? I have another cool idea. Let me add that in. You know what else would be cool? Here's another cool thing. And I, I fiddle with things constantly. So really in my business, when I try to create these templates, I try to shave them down and make them as minimal as possible so I don't give myself time to come up with ideas that will slow it down and stop me from actually executing. So the goal that I always have in everything I do is what is the minimum requirement for functionality? So for me, I need a PayPal button so they can buy it. I need to collect their email address so I can email them the download link or the webinar registration, and that's it. So when I create something new that I want to sell, I'm writing a Facebook post, I'm making a Facebook button, and I'm connecting that button to my AWeber account, and that's it. Later on, if I want to make a big fancy sales page and a video and, you know, a funnel and a back end and an upsell and all that, I can do all that later. But at a minimum, I want to get just the key components I need to actually get the offer out there. And what I found really quickly is that when that works well enough, you almost get too comfortable and lazy to bother with all the things that you were fretting over that you thought you needed to have before you could even get started. There's the-
1: another one. You're ruining some people today, man.
2: They're gonna be like I'm sorry. Man <laughs> yeah, free free
1: radio shows are full of just awesome content. Can I assure everybody that they are not they are not you know, bastions of enlightenment or anything like that. But every once in a while <laughs> And, of course, it always happens on Traffic Masters, but I'm talking about the rest of the radio shows. Every once in a while, somebody will come on and drop some serious mega bombs. And you just did that today, man. I'm I'm so glad we have you on the show.
2: Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Come in the group, because this is the kind of thing we talk about all the time. Absolutely. Cult of Copy
1: on Facebook. Cult of Copy. Look that up and join the group.
2: And I'm already at the point where I they get mad that I don't make up enough things to sell them and talk to them about. So I just want to keep growing it more and more so that if you love copy, there's no reason to go anywhere else because I'm talking about it all like a fire hose blasting you in the face. There's no way you can drink it all. That's what I want.
1: Yeah. Well, and you become the trusted source. So everybody's got curators that they follow. And, you know, people follow uh, Robert Scoble mainly because it's the law, and when you get on the Internet, you have to follow Robert Scoble. But they, right. the, the people who follow him because they're interested follow him because they like what he curates. He can talk about any number of startups and new companies and new products and gadgets. He can talk about as as many as he can talk about, but then there's the rest of the you know stuff that's out there, and we presume that he's filtered through everything, and he's looked at the ones that he really wants to highlight, and then we trust him. as a filter on the world of gadgets and startups and everything else and cameras and everything you can name that he does. And Mm -hmm. so he's our guy for that, or he's one of our guys for that. So people would be choosing you to be their guy or one of the guys that they follow, but you're going to make it really difficult for people to, you know, follow anybody else because everybody's going to be mentioned at your site because you're making it a news feed. You're making it a curated You know, and they trust the way that you curate things. They know you can't talk about everything that happened in copywriting today, but they don't want to know about everything that happened. A lot of crap happened today in copywriting. They just want to know what you think is the best thing that happened in copywriting today.
2: And 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 that's a a brilliant strategy. the, The cult of copy name also applies to, like, the little twist of the content, which is that I always look for the devious or sneaky underhanded psychological tricks in anything. So, you know, the same kind of things that a cult leader would use, for example, hence the title. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, with that spin, I can literally look at anything. Like, anything can be content. A TV show, a commercial, the radio, a magazine. Like, anything anyone publishes online can be talked about from that point of view, even if it's not even marketing related. So, that's something I would encourage people to do is whatever topic it is, that you are going to build your audience around with you as sort of like the, you know, I don't want to say expert, but you're the plugged in person that's curating it all, right? You're the, 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 you're Rome and all roads lead to you on this topic. Whatever that topic is, just come up with a little twist that's slightly different than what other people are doing. And that'll make you stand out. It'll make you be a flavor like Pepsi or Coke. There's people who prefer one or the other, but really they're both fizzy cola flavored sugar, Soda things, right? They're not all that different. In fact, in blind taste tests, people can't tell the difference, but each of them are branded differently and marketed differently to different groups of people. So just come up with your little twist, what your twist is going to be. Don't agonize over it. You don't have to make it up beginning. Like it can come to you later. Like I had the idea for the name Cult of Copy two years before I even used it for anything. So just sort of get started, do what you're going to do, build your audience, and then come up with your own little twist that gives your unique voice to what it is you're going to talk about. And that'll help your brand build. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?